Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung, the prayers that have been prayed. We thank you for the opportunity, God, to come together and to bless your name. And as we look into your word, we ask that you will just uh, bless us with your very presence and that the word will fall onto the good soil of our heart and gain great root and that it will grow up to be like a mighty oak by the water. We thank you and we honor you, God, for all that have gathered today to hear your word. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are on our second episode of The Light Has Come. And last time we were together, we were talking about how Jesus is this light that came in order to pierce the darkness. And so today I want us to kind of look in John, the first chapter still. We're going to look at that ninth verse and through the 13th verse. And John, the apostle, brought out the fact that everybody wasn't happy that Jesus came. Everybody wasn't smiling because Jesus came. Some folks was downright upset. In fact, they were so upset that they had him killed. And throughout history, the Jewish people have been blamed for the death of Jesus. But that's too simple. It's not the Jewish people, God's chosen people, that should be blamed for the death of Jesus. It should be all people. Because Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and come short of God's glorious standard. And so it is all of us that have caused Jesus to have to go through what he went through in order for us to be reconciled back to God. But John, the first chapter, looking at that ninth verse, it says, the true light, which gives light to everyone. Notice it doesn't say chosen ones. It says to everyone. Jesus gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. We talked about that last time. And he says, yet the world didn't even know him. He came to his own, and his own people didn't receive him. However, verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, not who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Isn't that something? That the logos that we talked about, the intelligence of God, the the very word of God that caused all that we have today to be, when he comes into the world, the world act like, who are you? We don't even know you. Even though Paul said in Romans, the first chapter, he said, listen, because of what we can observe, we can come to an understanding that there is a creator. There is this 
uh, intelligent design is another phrase that they've been using that has created all this and caused it to function in harmony. Cause it to function so that we can look at the grandeur of everything that's created. That's why we can go to certain parts of the world and we can see beauty. And we try to comprehend how can this be so beautiful. As we can look across the vastness of the ocean where it covers 70% of the earth and we only have explored, I think it's like 2% of it because it's so fast and we try to take our little finite minds and try to figure out how can this be? But it's because this light, it said in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. He was there. He was the part of the Godhead that caused all this to be. And he was also the ransom that would have to be paid in order to cause us to go and be back in right relationship with the Father. And so as we look at the, these, these uh, five, six scriptures that we just went over, it says that he is the true light. This last time we were together, I used a flashlight. The flashlight is not the true light. He is the true light, and he not only gives light to those that want light. He gives light to everyone. You know, there's some folks that don't want light, but he still gives it to them anyway. They try to turn from the light, but he still provides light anyway. This light is for everyone. Remember, I told you how uh, Peter said, he said, God's desire is for everyone to be saved. And what that implies is that there's some folks that just do not want God in their lives. But that does not preclude us from proclaiming the gospel, number one, and number two, for letting the light shine. Because we don't know if the shining of that light will cause them to change their minds. And he says he, was, he came into this world. He's in this world. Jesus comes yeah. via the same conveyance that all of us came into the world. Jesus comes through a woman. He comes into this world in the same way that we all came. He goes through the same process of maturing into an adult. And it says he came into the world and the world was made. He came into what he made and they ain't even recognizing. You know, there's some folks that really want you to recognize when they do good. There's some folks that really want you to recognize when they've made accomplishments. There's folks that want you to recognize when they've done something. And then there's some folks that it don't matter to them. But the point that they're making is if you realize, I think if the, the Model T could talk, and it had a chance to meet up with Henry Ford, I think it would tell Henry Ford, thank you so much for creating me. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is the disconnect that this is bringing out, is the fact that he's, he's the one that created design, put you in this environment, and you act like you don't even know. Don't even know. He came to his own. 
He remember he was a part of the group that God's chosen folks. God chose them not for anything special, but just because he wanted to use a set of people that he could use as an example for the rest of the world. And the Bible says he came to his own. And I love how the ESV says his own people didn't even receive him. Isn't that funny how sometimes even your own folk, the folks you grew up with, the folks you got whoopings with, well, some of us got whoopings with, and so, you know, some of we got into some mischievous and we did some good things together. Those folks act like they don't even know you. Isaiah brings out this, this very fact in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. And most of folks like to use this Isaiah 53 for Easter, but this, I think this is the perfect time to understand verse number 11 of John, the first chapter. And it says in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, it says that who has believed what he has heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant. It's talking about Jesus and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus was just a common guy. He was just a common he wasn't like Saul where he was taller than everybody else. He wasn't like David where he was so, you know, looked just so kingly and beautiful and handsome. And, you know, and he wasn't like Solomon where he just kind of stood out because he was so wise. He was just one of the homeboys, just one of the kids on the block. Then he goes on and says, but he was despised and rejected by men. A man acquainted with sorrows, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as, of, as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. He wasn't nothing special, but he did things that caused the people to just not want him to live. He started messing with the rules that they had established, the, the way that things went, he, he started messing with it to the point that they didn't even esteem him. They didn't even think that he would, could be a man. They, they didn't even consider him to be a man. They allowed him to go through the worst execution of the day just because they didn't like him. Just because he started infringing upon how they wanted things to be just because of that. Then Isaiah says, surely he has borne our, our griefs and he has carried our sorrows, all the pain, all the anguish that we've gone through. He's taken all this upon us and yet we have streamed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. We said that he's awful. We have caused him to be left out by God. Remember on the cross, one of the sayings, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did all this just for us. And he says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Notice the word that they're using. They're not saying for his, they're saying for ours. He went through all this upon him, the chastisement that brought us peace upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. 
And with his wounds, we are now healed. Then, start, then Isaiah started talking about us. Now remember, when we're talking about this, you, I, I want y'all to look at this timeline. Isaiah is talking about this three to four hundred years before it actually happens. John is mentioning this approximately 70 years after it transpired. But the point is, you see how this kind of just locks into place, how it says that, you know what, we just like sheep that have gone astray. Now, one of the things about sheep, you know, sheep are good followers. So if one sheep starts going astray, guess what the rest of them do? Walk right along with them. He walking off the cliff. They're going to walk right along with him. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We're the ones that are going in the wrong direction. And God says the responsibility for going in the wrong direction, I'm putting that on Jesus for you. So you don't have to go through the pain and the suffering of having gone the wrong direction. You just have to get back on the right track. Isn't that something? It says he was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he didn't even open his mouth. He was like a lamb that was being led to the slaughter. And like sheep that before its sear is silent. So he opened up his mouth. Open not his mouth. Went through it because he had to for us. He says, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Jesus didn't even have a grade to be put in. Rich man had to use his grave. And then verse number 10 says, yet it was the will of God. To crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his land. Jesus was in the grave for three days and God prospered him to be at his right hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Yeah, all that's in verse number 11. I had to give that to you so y'all could get the inside of that. They didn't even receive him. They didn't even make him a part of who they were. They treated him with great disdain and hatred. And yet, the first thing he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, a lot of times folks think the light is about being uh, 
a brightness in that you're excited and that you're celebratory. But sometimes light is being righteous in the midst of iniquity. In the midst of wrongdoing, you are still being right. Jesus could have said, y'all can't, y'all, y'all shouldn't be doing this to me. Y'all should, I'm not the one, I'm not guilty. But he didn't say anything except, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we have to grab hold of that, that this light that he is projecting caused a Roman soldier after he died to look up there and say, that truly was the son of God. But he didn't say that much. He didn't do that much. But because of how he acted, it caused a radiance to be made manifest that caused this Roman soldier to say something about him. The same thing is what Jesus is conforming into us. He's causing things to happen in our lives that is causing this radiance to be made manifest through us. It's nothing within us. It's him shining through us, touching other people's lives. Everybody else got upset and you sat there and said, not a word. Didn't everybody get mad at you because... Why ain't you saying something? God's got it. God knows my heart. God knows how this is going to come out. Didn't, isn't that funny? Just because you didn't get mad with them, some folks will get mad at you because you ain't get mad. Same thing happened to Jesus. Jesus didn't want to conform to the rules of the day because he said, listen, I didn't come to abolish the law. I'm trying to show y'all how the law can be fulfilled. This is how uh, the intention of God was for you to fulfill the law that y'all done added all these extra rules on. Oh, we ain't hearing all that. And it's funny because they rejected the very thing that they thought they were preparing for. Because everything was about getting ready for the Savior. Last, I think it was two years ago, we talked about that Jesus came as needed. He didn't come as expected. Everybody was wanting this mighty king, this this masterful uh, Savior to come in and rescue them from the bondage of the Roman Empire. But he was like, what I'm saving you from is greater than this current oppression. I'm saving you from this eternal compression, depression that you are going through that you don't even realize you're going through until I reveal it to you. Isn't that something? One of the things about being associated with Jesus, now think about this. You know the story. We're going to hear the story. It's coming up. Christmas is right around the corner, so you're going to start seeing the stories about Joseph and Mary riding on the donkey, going into Bethlehem, and they go to all the inns. The, the innkeepers shutting the doors on them. Ain't not no room for y'all. Y'all should have came two days ago. Y'all. Oh, she pregnant too? No, man, we ain't got no place for you. Ain't got no place for you. You can go back there in the barn if you want to. Sleep with the animals. Isn't that? 
You go sleep, go, go on sleep with the, you take your butt out there and sleep with the animals. Yeah. Go on, sleep with the animals. And all they could do, because they had no place else to go, they went to the lowest point. The lowest point. And then, not the mayor, the shepherds. The shepherds were the, the lowest folks got to see the king of kings and the lord of lords. So when Jesus came, these folks totally misunderstood his intentions. They totally misunderstood what he was there for. And because it wasn't what they wanted, they rebelled. They set up situations that would cause him, in their eyes, to fall, but in God's eyes, to have eternal victory. Isn't that something? They had him pierced. They, uh, one, one, Isaiah also talks about that he was beaten so bad that his vestige, his, his, his appearance, he didn't even no longer look like a man. And he did all that as an innocent in order to redeem the guilty. Mm-mm. The Bible says that God took him, that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Remember, our righteousness, Isaiah said this too, he said, our righteousness is just like filthy rags. But our true righteousness comes from Christ. Christ makes us righteous because he paid the price. I was talking to a friend and I said, you know, it's so funny how we talk about standing before God, but God doesn't see us when we're standing before him. He sees Jesus. So he's talking to the Jesus in us. He's not talking to us because we're not righteous. So he's talking to the Jesus in us. And so we have to get on board with the Jesus in us in order to get the instructions from the Father. Isn't that something? And we think we all that. But when you stand in front of the creator of everything, it makes you realize you ain't all that. He says, Jesus traded his identity as the perfect and sinless son of God with our identity as law-breaking criminals. Isn't that something? We can make a good trade with God, trading our sins and brokenness for our lives, for the righteousness of his son. We've heard, for those of us that are, have dealt with athletics, uh, watching, having our favorite football teams and things like that. You hear about trades happening all the time where there's this person goes to this team and this person goes to that team and, and all this happens all the time. It's, but the trade that God does, it has an eternal effect. Not only does it have an eternal effect, it has a internal effect to the person that has been traded for. It causes us to now 
fall under the very presence of the king of all the kings. And the thing is, I remember uh, one of my favorite shows when I was growing up was called The Little Rascals. That might be a little bit before y'all times because, you know, I always had to watch reruns myself. But The Little Rascals was about this group of kids. They called themselves Our Gang. That's what they called themselves. And it was during the time of the Depression. And these kids would come up with ways to make things happen. They come make contraptions. They make it was just a good time. I remember one of them though that that really stood out to me because the little boy walked in there and and the, to the shop and the guy saw could tell that he was hungry. And he said, well, "How much for this uh uh I think it was a donut." He said, how much for this donut? And he said, you know, uh, five cents. And the little boy put, put his money up there. And the guy looks at his washers. It's not money, but it's washers. And he sits up there and he's like, okay, here you go. And he gave him the donut. That's the same thing that God does with us. God, I want to be one of your children. Well, what you got? All I got is me. To be one of my children, to be you. Oh, my, I'm, God's not going to benefit from this. Jesus comes in and says, Father, I got, the, I got the difference. I've already paid that price. And that elevates our status so that we can now not only use what, what folks would say is worthless, but God takes what we are called worthless and makes it have a great value, a great price. And so all it takes is for us to just make the decision to make the trade. God, I just want to trade this life that I have for the life that you can provide for me. And the thing is, there's no trade deadlines right now. But the day is coming when you won't be able to make that trade. And when that day comes, once the deadline hits, there's no exemptions. So we want to make sure that we have did the proper transaction so that we can be on the team of victory. We want to be the, on the team that is going to guarantee to and possibly to be defeated but we'll have total and utter victory. So that is why he came, which, tie, which you know sends us to my favorite thing, which is the sticky note. Sticky note is the one point I want to present to say this is what the message is all about. The sticky note from this week is the rejection of Jesus led to our acceptance. The rejection of Jesus led to our acceptance. The rejection of Jesus led to our acceptance. The rejection of Jesus 
led to our acceptance. If you remember, I brought out the fact that how in Isaiah they said that he was he was despised, he was rejected of man. He's a he, he's a man that was acquainted with sorrows. Everything that was negative, they tried to say that Jesus. They said Jesus was healing folks by the devil. And then Jesus said, "Well, how can the devil gonna be against the devil?" Then they got mad at him because he he said that. Man, next to the pool for 38 years, you not, it's the Sabbath. He can't, he can't pick up his bed. That's work. Well, what you want him to lay here? Is that what you want? Or would you rather see him up and walking? <sighs> and so he went through all these things of rejection in order for us to be accepted. Knowingly. Sometimes when we know that we're going to get that negative result, we shy away from it. I don't feel like dealing with that. But Jesus willingly knew the path that he was taking and went through it anyway just for us. Just for me so that we could be in right relationship with the father he became the light that leads us to acceptance let's pray father we thank you for your word and we thank you for sending your son that he will illuminate the direction that we need to go in order to be in right standing with you. Father, we thank you for your word and that it has fallen upon the good soil of our hearts and that it will gain much root and that we will be that radiant reflection of you to everyone that we encounter, that they will see Jesus in us, who is the hope of glory. So we thank you and we honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.